All right, guys. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Thinking Out Loud. Today we have some more Israel-Palestine updates for you. Um, we're going to be focusing on the recent string of companies and countries that are um, banning Israeli ships from porting in their ports, banning trade with Israeli corporations or those adjacent to Israeli corporations. Uh, we're also going to be discussing some stuff on the diplomatic front with leaders of Hamas visiting in Egypt and with Israeli leaders alongside with the U.S., Mossad, CIA meeting in Qatar to discuss a potential another potential ceasefire. We're going to kind of ruminate on where we think that might lead, what this means, what are what is each side wanting, things like that. And then we're going to be ending the video today talking about the escalation in Lebanon between um, Hezbollah and the IDF and kind of speculating on what may come of that, what Israel may have planned, and the sort of game I think that uh, Hezbollah is playing, right? So without further ado, guys, with a little precursor there, let's just jump right into this, pull up the source materials. Um, this first article I have here <clears throat> is from Arab News. says, Hong Kong's OOCL halts Israel shipments amid escalating Red Sea threat. So with this, guys, obviously, you have heard about Houthi rebels from Yemen um, blocking the um, Bab el-Mendeb Strait, sinking any Israeli ship-related commandeering ships. And now it looks like that has escalated as well to um, include any ship that is intending on going to Israel and perhaps even spilling over into just about any uh, ship trying to get through the Bab el-Mendeb Strait, right? Um, so this is in relation to that. We'll jump into the reading here, guys. Try to keep this quick. It says, Hong Kong-based shipping company OOCL has suspended shipments to and from Israel in response to the rising threat to commercial shipping in the Red Sea. They said, due to operational issues, OOCL will stop cargo acceptance to and from Israel with immediate effect until further notice. So, both ways. Nothing getting in, nothing getting out. And this... uh. Hong Kong OOCL is one of the biggest um, shipping corporations in the world. And as we see here in a second, uh, they're not the only ones, right? It says, the move comes after shipping companies MSC, AP, Mahler, Maersk, and Hapag Lloyd issued similar instructions for their vessels to avoid the Red Sea in light of recent attacks orchestrated by Yemen's Iran-backed Houthis. Always got to put in there that they're Iran-backed, right? Um, so Maersk right here, guys, is... If not the biggest shipping company in the world, it's like second or third biggest shipping company in the world. So all these companies, huge shipping companies, these companies that own those huge freight shippers, um, oil tankers and stuff as well, um, are refusing to uh, do trade to port or take um, stuff out of port from Israel. All these, that's absolutely huge. You know, in our last episode, we were talking about how we'd like to see, why we are seeing a positive trend of action around the world um, and some attempts of diplomatic moves in the UN and things like that. You know, we talked about wanting to see bigger contribution from countries and corporations or influential figures as well. So this right here, guys, is absolutely huge. In that last video, we also talked about how Starbucks, uh, a company that has been the focus of a, a pretty big boycott effort, has suffered immense losses as well. 
Um, so you can imagine, guys, what these big shipping corporations, and as we'll see, there's a couple of countries as well, banning trade from Israel. This is the sort of stuff we talked about that we wanted to see to put the financial screws to the Israeli apartheid regime. This is the sort of actions that happened in apartheid South Africa that led to its collapse, right? Going on here, guys, says the militia group has been targeting ships in the Red Sea in response to Israel's military offensive in Gaza. The attacks initially focused on vessels with ownership links to Israel, but have become more indiscriminate over the past week, which is what I was talking about. We're seeing it start to escalate to just about any and every ship, right? They're trying to send a message here. Um, avoiding the Red Sea, which provides access to the Suez Canal, significantly increases the distance container ships have to travel. So expect, um, expect the uh, price of oil and other commodities to skyrocket once again. And it seems like we were just sort of seeing... Um, some of that inflation and some of that price commodity uh, inflation start to taper off here as we go into winter, but I'm suspecting that over the next couple of months, um, unless we see some sort of diplomatic resolution, which we may and may not, it's really looking like 60% not, 40% might at this point, in my opinion, um, expect the cost of living to uh, go up again, guys. The Babel Mendeb Strait, the Suez Canal, all these things are absolutely instrumental and huge to the entire global economy. Um, as you can see here, actually, um, U.S. Defense Secretary visits aircraft carrier, hails linchpin of Middle East deterrence. Um, we'll see that the U.S. is responding to this uh, with a coalition. But the thing is with the Houthis, they do not give any fucks. Like, the amount of fucks they give is absolutely zero uh, because they have uh, suffered from a U.S.-backed, Saudi-led um, um, genocidal war on their people for what the last four five six years um, they are out of fucks to give they don't care about the consequences the people in Yemen are perhaps the biggest supporters of Palestinian resistance out of any of the countries in the Middle East any of the Arab or Islamic countries or in the Persian countries right so I don't think they are going to be deterred anytime soon they are willing to do what it takes to show solidarity and i believe yemen is really the number one show of solidarity right now i mean the actions hezbollah is um with nasrallah is doing an amazing job as well but obviously due to the geopolitical kind of layout of that situation there um they are showing restraint or being very temperate in their way that they respond and escalate right uh with the houthis though it's just complete balls to the wall, nose to the grindstone. And I, again, I, like I was saying, repeating myself here, but I do not think they're going to be deterred anytime soon. Right. Um, moving on here, guys, I'm going to jump to this article here, uh, because just another example of these sort of bands that we're seeing and keep in mind, this has only been two months. We're going to see this kind of stuff continue to escalate. We're going to see more of this beginning to happen. We're going to see these sort of connections between these corporations, between these countries, between diplomatic efforts, between worldwide global protest efforts sort of converge into a real pressure cooker for the Israeli apartheid regime, right? Um, so this is from Al Jazeera. It says, Malaysia bans Israel flag ships from its ports in response to Gaza war. PM says Israel's actions, quote-unquote, violate international law through the ongoing massacre and brutality against Palestinians. Let's dive into this here, guys. Again, try to keep it quick. It says, Malaysia has banned all Israeli-flagged cargo ships from docking at its ports in what it said was a response to the war in Gaza, accusing Israel of violating international law through the massacre and brutality against Palestinians. 
On Wednesday, Malaysian Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim announced the decision to impose a maritime ban on Israel-affiliated vessels, singling out ZIM, Israel's largest shipping firm. So this is absolutely huge. Um, one of these big Israeli shipping conglomerates is completely banned. And for those of you who may not know a lot about Malaysia, Malaysia really is one of the workshops of the world. You have Malaysia, um, you have Indonesia with Jakarta, obviously. But Malaysia is one of these huge workshops of the world. A lot of textiles and things coming out of that. Um, so this is absolutely crazy. I'm imagining um, Israeli capitalists and politicians are starting to sweat, guys. Um, amid growing alarm over disruptions to global shipping as a result of attacks on cargo ships in the Red Sea. Uh, so a lot of times you'll see some of these corporations and, well, the corporations is definitely all about the bottom line. But with some of these politicians, they will use the excuse of the, you know, efforts of Houthi rebels in the Babab Mendeb trip in the Red Sea. But really, it, it's an excuse for them to show solidarity, particularly in this case with Malaysia as well, because they have been a strong supporter of Palestine for a long time. So now they really have a cover of, oh, this is risky, um, you know, but they can show solidarity and jump on this sort of global boycott bandwagon right now, right? Um, ships on the way to Israel will also be barred from loading cargo at any port in the Southeast Asian Asian nation with immediate effect, Anwar said in a statement. Malaysia, where about 60% of the population is Muslim, does not maintain diplomatic relations with Israel and advocates for two-state solution to the Israel-Palestine conflict. The Malaysian government decided to block and disallow the Israeli-based shipping company's DIM from docking at Malaysian ports. Um, their response to Israel's actions that ignore basic humanitarian principles and violate international law through the ongoing massacre and brutality against pal Palestinians. We have also decided to no longer accept ships using Israeli flag. It goes on to say, Malaysia has donated millions of dollars in aid to Gaza, and Anwar has vocally supported the Palestinian cause and condemned Israel's bombardment of Gaza since October 7th. So again, just more support uh, diplomatically as well from um, Anwar Ibrahim, right? Um, so a couple of examples here, guys, and I believe we're going to start seeing more of this out of individual countries. Um, you know, We've talked about in past episodes how we'd like to see more, especially out of the more reactionary Arab regimes, but and, and more efforts from around the world. But in, one part of it is when we talk about sanctions and things like that, they are technically out illegal. It, unilateral sanctions are technically illegal. So that's what one of the great things about what the Houthis are doing, right? This is one of the great things about that is, like I was just saying, it gives countries an excuse to implement trade sanctions with Israel without it being a unilateral sanction. It's just, oh, due to the security concerns and financial concerns of what's happening in the Red Sea, we have to do this, right? And then you know, it's completely legal then. It's not going to be able to be responded to on a diplomatic, on a global diplomatic stage with like, hey, you can't be doing that. That's illegal. So we're going to sanction you back. So I am hoping while the Houthis are engaging in this sort of guerrilla tactic, this, I guess you could almost say, um, guerrilla piracy campaign in the Red Sea, I am hoping that we'll see other countries follow suit and kind of engage in these pseudo uh, sanctions, right? Because this is absolutely huge. Um, uh, especially as we'll see the U.S. has responded to this, the U.S. and the West and Israel do not give a fuck about the humanitarian aspect of it. They don't care about the cries going on in the U.N., right? Uh, but they do care about dollars, right? So speaking of that, let's go ahead and jump into this next thing here. Um, 
this article is from the Financial Times. I kind of have it in a weird setup because um, here, maybe I'll give me a second here, guys. Uh, maybe I'll do it like this. Uh, kind of have a weird setup here, guys. I apologize. Uh, it's because there was a paywall behind this, so I sort of had to like screenshot it. So I'll try to get my little god damn it, my little picture um, out of the way here. Hopefully, you guys can see that. Um, so jumping into this from the Financial Times. Um, expanded U.S.-led naval task force to protect Red Sea shipping as a tax mount. Iran-backed Houthi rebels have stepped up strikes on vessels. Obviously, we know all that. Uh, the Pentagon has convinced more than a half dozen allies to join a strengthened naval task force in the Red Sea amid mounting attacks by Iran-backed rebels on commercial shipping that have driven oil prices higher. The announcement of what Lloyd Austin, U.S. Defense Secretary, called Operation Prosperity Guardian, um, what a silly name, by the way. I just have to throw that out there. Um, came just hours after UK oil supermajor BP said it was halting all shipments through the waterway. Again, guys, this is another super massive corporation cutting off trade through this region. Um, I don't know that they've necessarily cut off complete trade or port with Israel. Maybe they are able to go through the Mediterranean um, after going around the Cape there. Um, but again, guys, BP cutting off trade for all intents and purposes with Israel. This is huge. They have to be feeling the screws of this. The economy has to be feeling the screws of this. And despite how genocidal a lot of the population is in Israel, just like we saw in apartheid South Africa, as this pressure mounts, um, you're going to see people, despite the culture of racism, start to call for ceasefire. And we've already began to see it, especially after the incident um, where Israeli IDF soldiers killed other IDF soldiers that were trying to um, that escaped from captivity trying to, um, you know, surrender, and then they were shot dead. We are beginning to see the strain of all these different aspects, as, long, as well as the death toll of IDF soldiers, mount on the Israeli people, right? They said, citing de deteriorating security situation, more than 9 million barrels a day of oil shipments, or almost a tenth of global demand, passed through the Red Sea. Um, the naval deployments, which will include ships from more than half a dozen NATO countries, including the U.K. and France, as well as regional islands like Bahrain. Uh, the Houthi attacks on commercial shipping, which rebel leaders said were in retaliation for Israel's offense against Hamas, have steadily increased with more than 11 since mid-November. This article is about a week old now, so it's been even more. The USS Kearney shot down 14 attack drones launched by the Houthis. BP's decision to bypass the Red Sea pushed oil prices higher Monday up 1.8%. Um, the new Naval Task Force would work together to tackle the challenge posed by this non-state actor, launching ballistic missiles and uncrewed aerial victors. Operation Prosperity Garden would be formed as a part of the 39-member Combined Maritime Forces and its existing Task Force 153, which focuses on the Red Sea. The expansion of the Red Sea Task Force comes amid a broader diplomatic effort by Washington. General C.Q. Brown, chairman of the U.S. Joint Chiefs of Staff, was also in Israel on Monday, Following a visit by National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan last week, CIA Chief Bill Burns also met with Qatari and Israeli officials to discuss the release of more hostages held by Hamas in Gaza. So again, guys, we are seeing these diplomatic efforts continue uh, to develop alongside this. And this is all a result of these boycotts, these cutting off of ties, and um, the actions of Houthi rebels standing up in a serious militant way, right? 
Moving on here, says the U.S. has not ruled out military action against Houthi targets if the attacks on ships continue, officials said. It would take, quote-unquote, appropriate action at a time and place of our choosing, Sullivan said earlier this month. Um, yeah, so that's really all I have from that one there, guys. Um, I just want to point out how big of an escalation this is because, you know, in past weeks, early on in this conflict, we did see um, – the United States send two or three aircraft carriers um, up to the Persian Gulf and into the Mediterranean Sea as, like we talked about, really a deterrent towards Iran rather than to make a statement against anybody else in the region, right? Uh, it, it was a warning from the United States that, hey, and also particularly to Hezbollah, um, if you continue to escalate in this way, we will respond. So be careful about letting this roll into an even, even larger regional war. But, you know, in, in our previous videos, we talked about how, like, this is already a regional war, and we are on the escalation ladder. And unless we see some sort of diplomatic resolution and soon, any one of these days, any hour in the day, this could spiral out into a giant regional conflagration, especially with the Houthi rebels here. And now you have a, a, a multi-nation state coalition with an entire fleet's worth of ships in this small area where the Houthis have said that they're going to continue sinking ships. Okay, that is a lot of fucking moving parts. That is a lot of fucking moving parts where any kind of accident can happen. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, the U.S. has declared war on Yemen, on the Houthi rebels, right? Um, and obviously the U S has been at war with Yemen for a long time through its proxy, Saudi Arabia. But again, guys, this is just a huge escalation, even from a couple of days ago. Right. Um, and this is why we have named the video, uh, rising solidarity, rising tensions, because while it is great seeing this rise in solidarity, and we are seeing that it is obviously quite clearly leading to di more diplomatic efforts, the sort of diplomatic efforts we need to see. It is really a double edged sword. It is really a tit for tat up this escalation ladder you know it's like we have two um hourglasses right now we have the hourglass of escalation where when that final grain of sand falls into the bottom of the hourglass we have a regional conflagration that might even spread into u.s war with iran and in turn brings in russia an entire world war maybe through proxies so that it doesn't become nuclear semi-nuclear or beyond regional you never know how these things will completely play out um and then on the other side we have an hourglass of a diplomatic resolution in the ending of the genocide in gaza which will really you know pressure valve all of these tensions and really you know sometimes the diplomatic one is looking like it's going to win out sometimes the tension one like today with this video it looks like it's going to win out and then you go to bed at night, and then you wake up, and the amount of sand in each hourglass is completely different, right? So moving on here, guys, I'm going to try to power through some of this so that we can get everything we want to talk to done. Um, okay, so this next article I have here is also from Al Jazeera. It says, Hamas head in Cairo as momentum builds towards new Israel-Hamas truce talks. The head of Hamas's political bureau, Politburo, had arrived in Cairo for talks on the Gaza war as hopes grow that the Palestinian group in Israel could agree terms for another ceasefire. Ismail Henier arrived in the Egyptian capital on Wednesday to meet with Cairo's spy chief and other Egyptian officials who were acting as key mediators. Meanwhile, Israeli officials have indicated in talks with U.S. and Qatari representatives as well as with Mossad 
um, and CIA, that Tel Aviv could be open to a truce deal. So this is a really huge development, guys, that we are just seeing in the last few days. I don't really think anyone expected it, especially with the sort of bloodshed and carnage. Absolute escalation even from the um, actions the IDF perpetrated in the north. You know, I don't think anyone really saw this coming. But again, I believe it's in direct relation to sort of escalation we are seeing um, fears that the IDF has uh, will become a full war with Hezbollah in the north. And then obviously the constraints that the Houthi campaign in the uh, Bab el-Mendeb has created on the global economy. I, I believe these are a direct result of this, right? Henie planned to discuss stopping the aggression in Gaza. A Hamas source told the AFP news agency, the world is pressing both Israel and the Palestinian group to agree to terms to halt the bombardment in Gaza, um, which after 10 weeks has killed 20,000 people and almost 8,000 children. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin not not Netanyahu, speaking to Captain's family on Tuesday, said intensive diplomatic efforts were underway to bring back their relatives. This included a Monday meeting in Warsaw between Israeli's intelligence chief, Qatar's prime minister, and the head of the U.S. CIA, in which officials hammered out possible ceasefire conditions. That meeting was quite positive, said Al Jazeera's Hashem Ahalabara, reporting from Doha. He added that Qatari negotiators, who were the main brokers in the previous temporary ceasefire, are now in touch with both Hamas and Israel to resume talks. Israeli media reported that Tel Aviv is pursuing a humanitarian deal to secure the release by Hamas of female and elderly captives as well as any that are physically or mentally ill. The government reportedly believes such a group would number to 30 to 40 captives. Um, so something I want to point out here is, and we'll see, um, Hamas leaders have said that they aren't trying to have a ceasefire deal unless it means a permanent ceasefire, right? And I really believe this is because the hostages that Hamas has left are some of the more high-priority ones, like officers in the IDF and things like that. And in a lot of ways, this is their last bargaining chip, and they want to use it intelligently, right? On the opposite side of this, you have Netanyahu, who has been going on Israeli media, talking to Israeli people, saying that this war is going to continue for weeks and months, um, you know, saying that they're going to get vengeance and destroy Hamas for the actions of October 7th. Uh, and really, he's saying all this and wants to continue this war because, I mean, the guy is a political uh, criminal with all these corruption charges, uh, an entire uh, number of court cases against him. And it, it's really sick because in a lot of ways – Despite outcry from the um, Israeli people who want the hostages to be released and would be open to perhaps even a permanent ceasefire in order to make that happen, he's really dragging this war out, uh, you know, to save his political career, right? And so this is what we're seeing here. And so I wonder with this what we are going to see because I don't think – I really don't think Hamas is going to agree – to a truce unless it's a permanent ceasefire or at least something that outlines talks for new relationship or new order in the region that will actually secure a lasting ceasefire. I mean, we have heard Hamas leaders talk about um, being open to the, the U.S. idea and the Israeli idea of having the PA, that's the Palestinian Authority, jointly govern the Gaza Strip. You know, that's a pretty big concession, especially from the perspective of the Gazan people living in Gaza because they don't like the Palestinian Authority because they are collaborators with the Israeli regime. 
anyway, guys, I'm kind of rambling here and going off, but I, I, I'm just wondering what's going to come out of this. And while it is a positive development, you know, the uh, intelligence community and all the parties involved in this have got to be really be going back and forth, passing messages along like absolutely insane, trying to figure something out. Because, again, they are getting pressure from all sides now due to what's happening in the Babel Mendeb and the shutting down of trade in the Red Sea, right? You know, I've heard stories that, I mean, I can't verify these, but there's been no shipments arriving in Israeli ports for quite some time now. Um, going on here says, hardliners and Israeli government and military officials are eyeing more months of combat. Like we said, Netanyahu, who is under significant political pressure at home, has pledged to continue Israel's military offensive until achieving full victory. Hamas, for its uh, part, has said it will not release any more captives until the Israeli bombardment ends. On Tuesday night, seemed to hold firm to this position, saying the group was ready for another deal, but only if Israel first sees attacks. Vision is very clear. We want to stop the aggression. He said, "What is going on on the ground is a big catastrophe." However, he added that the brief pause in the conflict would not be in the interest of Hamas or Palestinians. Israel will take the car to the hostages, and after that, they will start a new round of mass killings and massacres against our people. We will not play this game. That's exactly what we saw, because in the day after the end of that ceasefire where there was a hostage exchange, we saw 700 civilians killed in a single day. Um, however, Alhabara noted that there are strong indications that there is a push by all parties to come up with an agreement. Yeah, the political pressure, the economic pressure is mounting, guys. Um, and the U.S. is really fucking sick of this because, especially the Biden administration, because it is destroying his election chances, right? Um, so there are a lot of parties involved in these discussions that do not have a vested interest in continuing this war other than a few extreme hawks in the IDF and the Israeli political establishment and, of course, Netanyahu. No one stands to gain anything by driving this war out any further. Uh, moving on here, guys, we're going to power through this last article. This one's from The Guardian. It says, Fears grow of all-out Israel-Hezbollah war as fighting escalates. Ruveni is not alone in seeing Hezbollah as a greater danger to Israel. The Israeli Defense Minister Yoav Gallant and other hawks in the cabinet argued for a preemptive strike against the militant group in the immediate aftermath of October 7th attack. That caused an alarm in Washington, fearful of a regional war that would pull in Iran with U.S. backing. Benjamin Netanyahu fended off the proposal, but the conviction has taken hold among Israeli politicians, generals, and a widening slice of the public that a new war in Lebanon is inevitable. An opinion poll carried out in November, found that 52% of those surveyed favored an immediate strike against Hezbollah. And this is very indicative of the sort of hubris and absolute warmongering murder lust that is prevalent in Israeli society, right? In recent days, the fighting has escalated, and the civilian death toll is rising for Israelis and at least 14 local Lebanese. Three journalists have been killed by Israeli drone and tank strikes. We have this exchange of fire between Israel and Hezbollah, and the trend line is one of escalation, said Orna Mizrahi, a former Israeli deputy national security advisor for foreign policy. Um, this is the most worrying thing about the situation, this trend of escalation. Nobody wants to have a full-scale war, but we can get there anyway. Hezbollah was supposed to pull back from the border across the Litani River about 20 miles away and to disarm. It has done neither, and instead built up a fearsome arsenal with Iran's help, estimated at well over 100,000 rockets and several tens of thousands of fighters as well, mind you. I mean, this is a huge deterrent to Israel, and they are really not used to being 
um, deterred. And I just want to know what's going. Th- it's absolute insanity going through these IDF officials that want to escalate this war, fighting a two-front war. They are not doing so great in Gaza, despite the carnage. They are not making any real traction in defeating Hamas. And I think I think there's elements in the IDF that want this to escalate because they're betting they're betting on the crap table that the U.S. will get irrevocably drawn into this regional conflict, especially if Iran does, right? So they they want the U.S. at war with Iran in the region. They want the U.S. bogged down in multiple different regions like it already is in Iraq and Syria. You know, the more troops and aircraft carriers and assets the U.S. sends to this conflict as a deterrent, the more pressure points or flashpoints there are to allow the United States to get roped into a war which will then give Israel free range and the backup support it needs to pursue un- indiscriminately its policy of greater Israel, right? Um, moving on here, guys, says the escalation on the border has been proportional and incremental in a tit-for-tat pattern, said Rhonda Slim, a senior fellow and director of conflict resolution at the Middle East Institute. At this point, the decision to go into an all-out war is totally Israel's to make. Hezbollah and Iran do not want to make the a- escalation. Moving on here says the defense minister said Israel would act with all the means at its disposal if the international community could not force Hezbollah to withdraw. Benny Gantz, a former prime minister who is serving in Netanyahu's war cabinet, made a similar promise to displace northerners by the Sea of Galilee on Friday. If the world doesn't get Hezbollah away from the border, Israel will do it. And then as we see, um, we have other factors. We have the U.S., France, other European, other European powers, like we've seen, involved in these diplomatic efforts. Um, but it's complicated as well because, you know, Beirut, the actual government in Lebanon, is incredibly polarized and weak. And, you know, at the end of the day, they don't have any say in it. It's, it, it's completely Hezbollah um, as to how the general Lebanese structure reacts to whatever Israel does. But like it said in this article, this is all up to Israel. And we really are seeing a split between some cooler heads that realize what this will mean and some of these absolute war hawks, like I said, that believe that if they escalate here, it will inevitably pull in the United States, right? So again, guys, that's really all I have for you with this. Um, Like we've seen in this last week, a lot of absolutely huge developments on all fronts from economic to uh, boycott, to diplomatic, to militarily. Um, I believe I believe a lot of these leaders want to see a diplomatic resolution. Um, like we were saying, almost nobody besides Netanyahu and his administration and a few war hawks in the Israeli uh, establishment have a vested interest in keeping this war going. The U.S. doesn't. It's bad for PR. It, it distracts them from you know their efforts to escalate in the pacific and contain china you know hezbollah as we have seen has um reacted in a very you know tempered way to the conflict um in southern lebanon you know they don't want to draw into right a, a, a larger war because they know it'll be devastating not just for them but for lebanese people as a whole iran does not want this um, because they realize that it could spiral into a, a war with the u.s um and you know the Houthis, despite their militant actions, we can make an assumption that they really don't want this. Egypt doesn't want this. Nobody, Jordan does not want this. We've seen Egypt and Jordan say that we will not take, 
we know we will not allow a knockbot to happen. Um, almost all the actors on the world stage do not want this to spiral out of control, including the U.S. Empire. Um, and as we see more pressure, because what we have happening now too, especially with this economic development in the Babel Mendeb Strait, is you know the hourglass is really running out for the Netanyahu administration, despite their hoping to escalate so that they can you know, stay in power and rope the U.S. into it, you know damned well that Isra the Israeli capitalists that have far more power than any politician in Israel are putting pressure on Netanyahu to figure something the fuck out with the situation, be it a ceasefire or something like that, despite whatever rhetoric he has. You know, their bottom line is getting fucked right now. Like, we saw ZIM, the biggest... Um, um, Israeli shipping company, you know, essentially have sanctions from Malaysia, and we know that more countries and corporations are going to follow suit. So, I mean, he has got to be completely isolated right now um, from a wider political establishment um, for those that are maybe a little bit more liberal and less insanely Zionistic genocidal. Um, and then also increasing pressure from financial and corporate interests within his country. I mean, the guy's got to be running out of allies. He has the U.S. whispering in his ear to figure something out with this. Um, you know, so that the U.S. can look like a good guy and having solved this diplomatically, the U.S. could really use a win in the region, and this is definitely not a win right now. Um, anyway, guys, drop a comment. Let me know what you think is going to happen with this. Uh, give me any more resources you have. Let's get a discussion going. Um, I believe I believe the Israeli government is going to capitulate in some way. While I believe the Hama that Hamas doesn't want to re release its last kind of hostage card, I could, and Netanyahu doesn't want to end the war, I could see Hamas capitulating to a situation where there's actually real humanitarian corridors um, that are maybe backed up by some sort of security guarantee via the UN, Egypt, Qatar, in the south, where we can get actual humani real humanitarian aid in, significant humanitarian aid. I could see Hamas, uh, Halieh, capitulating to that. Um, I, I have a feeling that's kind of what's going on behind closed doors. But, you know, drop a comment. Cause I, I don't think Netanyahu wants to end this war, and I believe the Israeli public still has enough genocidal mania to want to keep it going at this time. But I do believe the hourglass is running out. Anyway, drop a comment. Let me know what you think. Um, again, guys, that's all I have for you. Don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, share, all that good stuff. And don't forget you can support my independent media work on Patreon at patreon.com slash entitledmillennials. Or you can provide a one-time donation through PayPal at paypal.me slash Millennials. I always really appreciate the support you guys give me. Um, and as always, guys, it's great hanging out with you. I love talking to issues with you. And I'll speak with you again real soon. Bye-bye.